0: From the Salvation Army, welcome to the Holiness Podcast with Lt. Col. Vern Jewett. In this monthly Bible study, we'll be exploring God's gift of holiness, which is offered to every Christian. To download this month's study guide, visit us at salvationarmysoundcast.org slash holiness. Hi, I'm Vern Jewett, and this is the Holiness Podcast. We welcome you to this time of uh, studying God's Word and learning more and more about the plan He has for us to live a dynamic, open, living relationship with a living God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're so glad you're with us today. We're going to turn right away to our textual passage to begin, so if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to the book of Philippians. We're going to be talking today about God at work completing in us what he has begun. And many of you will recognize that there are a couple of places in the first chapters of Philippians where that language is used and is really a striking and captivating thought that we will be looking at today in our study. I want to begin by reading Philippians, the first chapter, and we're going to start right at the very beginning to get a feel for the greeting that Paul sends to his uh, fellow believers and those he has uh, met with. He stopped in Philippi three times during his, uh, his life uh, to help found the church and to work uh, with the church. It was one of his, some people think it was his favorite church, but we're going to read the first six verses together. I'm reading from the New International Version. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, two things there, those last two verses. Verse 5 mentions the partnership that the Philippian church has in the gospel with Christ. And then in verse 6, which is one of our textual verses, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. What a striking phrase and captivating thought. God started something in all of us who know him as our Savior. But Paul wants us to know and wanted the Philippian church to know that he intends and can be counted upon to carry it to completion. If we think about it, it's an obvious truth we take down the facades that surround our lives and are honest with ourselves, I think most of us would be willing to state the obvious. God has unfinished business in many of our lives today. He wants to carry on his good work in you and me to completion. Now, one of the Reasons this is such an important window for us to open in Scripture is because it is sadly true that many millions of believers act as though his work has already been completed. Now Paul's going to explain to us a few paragraphs later in chapter 2, actually, how God completes his work in us. So we're going to turn to Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, to finish out the story. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. Now you can see how what Paul began to explain in chapter 1, verse 6 is now completed in chapter 2, verse 13. As God is going to finish the work that he began in our lives. There are three great lessons from this passage that I would like to center our thoughts around today. And the first is an amazing truth. God works in me. Now that 13th verse is fascinating and has been a challenge for Bible students down through the centuries. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And yet, in the phrase before that, in verse 12, we are told to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So who does it? Who works out our salvation? Is it God, as verse 13 suggests? Is it me, as verse 12 suggests? Well, the answer is yes and yes. Our lives of service and God's act of creation, preservation, and redemption are linked inexorably together. Yes, it is God at work. And yes, I must do my part. In the Wesleyan-Arminian tradition, we would say that any doctrine of salvation or Christian living that does not do full justice to both of these elements that God has initiated and He is at work, but we have an important part to play, would be unscriptural. God's the one who began the work in the church, and when He starts something, it will reach completion Dr. Richard R. Mellick Jr. in the New American Commentary makes the comment that Paul easily moved between the tensions of human agency and divine initiative, accepting both in a natural way. The Philippians had a partnership with Paul, but God actually working in them the work of salvation is the true partnership. Now, let's make very clear so there's not any misunderstanding from the beginning. Paul doesn't tell the believers in Philippi to work for their salvation. He knows and has taught his whole life, it is by grace that you are saved. Through faith, it is a gift of God. He really doesn't say work at your salvation because salvation is not something to be achieved. But rather, he says, continue to work out your salvation. In other words, to live it out in the flesh, to work it day by day, moment by moment, and carry it to its conclusion. Thoroughly digest and apply it. We work out our salvation. We live it out at work, at home with our brothers and sisters in Christ, with those with whom we work, with our friends, with those whom we meet, we must let God work and do our part working spiritually. Now, here's an important truth. We can thwart God's work. And it certainly is a red flag if we cannot see God doing something new in our lives. He is not completing what he has begun. On May 21st, 1972, a man who later was confirmed to be insane jumped the barrier at St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City and with a hammer attacked Michelangelo's Pieta, the priceless statue of Mary holding the crucified Christ's limp body On her lap. The man struck the statue 15 times, damaging Mary's elbow and wrist, shattering the fingers on one hand, as well as damaging her nose, veil, and left cheek. Under Dr. Deoclesio Radig de Campos, a team of seven scientists and restorers painstakingly gathered over 200 chips that lay on the floor and using microscopes, dental drills, and other tools worked over four months to repair the statue. The results of their work, well hidden from the naked eye, allowed the Pieta to once again occupy its place of honor. Friends, in a far more meticulous and divine manner, God has been at work in you, Since the hour you first believed, Paul shared, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so, we have this classic text which fits in with the topic that we began last month, speaking about full salvation, The Wesleyan understanding of full salvation comes into full view in this passage and uh, topic that we're studying today. You may remember, we looked at 2 Corinthians 5 and 6, where we're told that we are God's fellow workers, that we are new creations in Christ, that we are Christ's ambassadors in the study last month. Speaking of the continuing work of salvation in our lives. Let me stop for just a moment here and and point out the obvious about our text. Paul doesn't say, well, now that you're saved, this is what you need to go and do. No, in fact, he says, your job is to work out your salvation. In fear and trembling. We've mentioned this before, but we can't review this too often because it is the understanding of salvation that John Wesley brought into into view for the church. Salvation consists for Wesleyans of two steps. The first is justification and the second is sanctification. Justification is when he brought us out of our sinful state. It is what Christ does for us. It removes the guilt of sin. It's a judicial act in the mind of God. Our sins are forgiven. And positionally, in the sight of God, we are made holy. We call that initial sanctification. But it's justification. And then... The second part of the work of salvation is sanctification. From the moment we are justified and become a child of God, our sanctification becomes the work of our lives, which is why we're told to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Sanctification is what the Spirit does in us. It breaks the power of sin. It is an inward change in the heart of man, and our sin is cleansed, and we can be actually holy. Now, this is what divides the great Calvinist and Arminian camps when we come to talk about holiness and sanctification. Full salvation refers to the fact that Our salvation isn't something that just takes place at a moment in an instant and then is completed. In fact, everything in the New Testament points to the fact that salvation is a life. Perhaps the greatest doctrinal tragedy of our day is that millions of Christians have accepted a gospel that is defined only by justification. They have enough faith to get out of Egypt, but not enough to get into Canaan. Such a gospel leaves people doing laps in the desert of spiritual mediocrity for their entire lives. This is a tragic truth, and many writers and teachers address it on a regular basis. In our culture, we have allowed not the full gospel, but half the gospel, to be propagated and presented as Christianity. It's a tragic truth. Here's one example. John MacArthur is quoted in the NIV commentary on the letters of John by Gary Berg. MacArthur is quoted as saying this, The gospel in vogue today holds forth a false hope to sinners. It promises them they can have eternal life, yet continue to live in rebellion against God. Indeed, it encourages people to claim Jesus as Savior, yet defer until later the commitment to obey Him as Lord. It promises salvation from hell, but not necessarily freedom from iniquity. It offers false security to people who revel in the sins of the flesh, and spurned the way of holiness. By separating faith from faithfulness, it leaves the impression that an intellectual assent is just as valid as wholehearted obedience to the truth. Thus, MacArthur says, the good news of Christ has given way to the bad news of an insidious, easy-believism that makes no moral demands on the lives of sinners. It is not the same message Jesus proclaimed. No, Jesus spoke about discipleship, about total commitment, and about living for him and in him. Last month in the podcast, as we were talking about full salvation, we described it as being on the right side of Easter, but the wrong side of Pentecost. Pentecost the right side of pardon, but the wrong side of power, the right uh, side of justification, but not of sanctification. Dear friends, the full gospel is the only gospel and it is not enough to be forgiven. We are saved to be holy. Well, it's one thing to sing As a Christian in church every Sunday, to God be the glory, it's quite a different thing to carry out glorifying God in practice. It's one thing to pray, forgive me, as we have forgiven our debtors. It's not so easy to really forgive the specific person in our lives who has wronged us or hurt us. It's one thing to display a beautiful plaque which says Christ is the head of this home, but it's something else to actually recognize him as head by submitting every important question and matter to him in prayer and obeying to the best of our knowledge his every command. Paul is telling the Philippians and us that working out our salvation is our life's task. When we give ourselves over each day to God and are conscious, humble, obedient servants of Christ, then the miracle of the text becomes a reality. And as we work and live, it is God who works and lives in us. This is an amazing truth. God works in you and me. Our text also suggests another lesson, that full salvation is an ongoing process. In verse 13, we were told that we were to will and to act. The evidence of God's work in us is our willing and our working for God's good pleasure. That's a twofold process. Now, I often tell you I've been a pastor for a long time, and I have to make a pastoral observation here about this truth. Down through the years, I've uh, spoken and worked with and prayed with and lived alongside many Christians who've become defeated and at times have said to me, I try, but I just can't do it. Trying to live victorious Christian lives at the activity level only while not allowing God to change our wants and our desires is in truth a hopeless endeavor. We can't act and live as God wants until we let the life within us become the life of Christ, until we're willing to be remade from the inside out. It is inevitable, you see, if we seriously work out our salvation, that God will change our inmost desires. And that, dear friends, will change our lives. And that's the source of the greatest spiritual battles you and I will fight. God at work in us, not just empowering us to do the right things, he'll change our wants and our desires. So don't miss it. God is at work, causing us both to will and to act. Very often, Christians who are stagnant or defeated, not maturing, not growing, have had the work begun in their lives, but don't realize and experience the ongoing completion of His work. Full salvation. What a wonderful term. God wants to, on a regular basis, change our desires, change our wants, change our wills. It's no wonder that Martin Luther spoke and wrote about the bondage of the will. In our culture, ignoring this aspect of God working in us is a way of having God on our own terms. Well, I can't do that, of course. God doesn't expect me to love him or her or to accept that responsibility in the church or to witness. Sometimes changing our will involves the most major decisions we make in our lives. I'm thinking of a wonderful Salvation Army officer, Captain Andrea Hoover, She was serving as the assistant head nurse of a large hospital. She'd been a nurse for 16 years with over 100 medical workers under her supervision. But God, as she sought him, changed her desire and her will and called her to be a Salvation Army officer. I want to share with you an insight about our wills from a wonderful friend of mine, Salvation Army officer named Major Jesse Jones. Now, Jesse and his wife, Doris, were wonderful Salvation Army officers. They served in their pastoral roles uh, for, I think, all of their careers. They were stationed in the same county as us in Winter Haven, Florida, when we were in Lakeland, Florida. And uh, we know uh, their children, And our children uh, knew each other. But Major Jones loved the book of Philippians. And uh, it would be a surprise to many who knew him because he was quiet and unassuming and often had responsibilities for some of the smaller churches and commands. He was a wonderful Bible scholar. Major Jones wrote a wonderful 350-page commentary on Philippians. And this is what he says about this matter of the will. He says there are many strong-willed people who set their mind to do certain things, and they accomplish whatever they planned because of that strong will. But when it comes to living a life pleasing to God, and in our context today, when it comes to working out our salvation, there is not a man, woman, or child who can do it through our own willpower. Only God can plant that kind of will within you. However, you can suppress his will by insisting on your will being in control rather than allowing God to be in control. This is why you and I don't progress spiritually as we should. And then he quotes our textual verse, for it is God who works in you to act according to his good will purpose. I love the thought that God continues all the time to help me work out and to work out through me my salvation. I'm getting older, but I love mowing my lawn. Now, there are too many hills and tree roots in our home Uh, in Port Charlotte, Florida, for me to use a riding lawnmower, which I certainly would choose to do. So instead, I have to use a hand mower. Now, I can start the lawnmower and I can begin to push it, but when I do, the hills and the slopes of my front yard make it very hard work. So when I went to purchase my hand lawnmower, my push lawnmower, I purchased one that was self-propelled. Now in salvation, God not only launches us, but he propels us to our destination. And I see that as, a, as an interesting picture to try to describe how God threw us and we in God work out our salvation. He propels us and moves us along. He doesn't just launch us. Along the way, if we allow him, he uses every experience to mold and repair the damage sin has chipped away from our souls to reform us into God's original design for us, taking us far beyond anything we could be ourselves. That statement came from Lieutenant Colonel Alan Satterley in his small commentary on Philippians, which is a wonderful uh, and helpful read. Satterley says, Every joy, every disappointment, every ache, and every success can be sanctified as the Holy Spirit works in the recesses of our hearts teaching us, leading us, transforming us. The events of our lives are what God's Spirit uses as the building materials of our souls. So, of course, in this process of sanctification, we are the building project of God's Holy Spirit. Our experience of salvation redeems us, but our sanctification allows us to give away our limitations to the fullness of God. Dear friends, you can know that it's worth it all to let God complete His work in you, but it involves a conscious decision on your part to let God change your wants, to submit your will to His will, to say, I'm yours, Lord, you take control. I won't resist your plan, your work, your completing that work in me any longer. Of course, the question that looms over our whole study today is do you know the joy of being where God wants you to be? I would suggest if uh, you're na- not happy in your physical location, or your church, it really doesn't say anything about your church. If you're not fulfilled and growing, my question to you is, have you allowed God the freedom to take your life and change it by changing you? When we recognize that this is an ongoing process, we're acknowledging the transforming power of God to make us radically new from the inside out. Then we'll live in the experience of God at work in us. The third lesson that I want us in closing to consider about these passages and this theme out of Philippians is that this all speaks to a divine agenda. These verses are not understood if we understand them comfortably. This is serious business, working out our salvation, because it's God's business. And it's not only us, but it's the spiritual well-being, even the souls of men and women that are at stake. We know God's purpose is that all men, women, boys, and girls would be saved. The New Testament tells us God's will is that all would be saved. And we know that the reason for it all is bigger than us. And if we continue to read in Philippians 2, it becomes very clear. Pick up with me at verse 14 if you have your Bible open. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for vain for nothing we like the philippians and all other christians down through the centuries are partners with christ in this work of salvation we are called to be hearty participants cooperating fully in the advancement of the gospel through the power of the holy spirit we are co-workers with christ as we learned last month did you hear god's word in those verses we're to become blameless and pure We're to shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he looked at his disciples and said, you are the light of the world. God at work in us is according to his good purposes. What a wonderful window this is into the truth of full salvation. God is doing his work in us and with us and through us. We must not let this study pass without asking ourselves the important questions. Is God at work completing what he's begun in your heart? Does God have unfinished business with you? There's a beautiful picture of sanctification as the the second and full work of full salvation that... Uh, has drawn my attention over the last year or two. Salvation, you see, is a constantly expanding, continuous work of rebuilding what God does in us through every day of our lives. If I blow up a balloon halfway, it's full of air. But as I put more air into it, Though the balloon is larger, we still say it's full of air. The capacity has changed, but the fullness is there all along. Again, this is Lieutenant Colonel Alan Satterley saying, It is the same in the life of a Christian. God is continuing to build our capacity, our understanding. He is maturing us, molding us, conforming us to the image of Christ. Salvation occurs not only in a point of time, but in the steady work of God done in us until he receives us unto himself. It was Dr. Mildred Bang's Winecoop, coop, wonderful author and leader in the holiness movement back in the last century. She arrived and spoke at Asbury Theological Seminary the very first fall that I began to study there. And she speaks of holiness as ever-increasing capacity. We can remain full. We can remain sanctified. We can remain set apart while God is continually building and working in us by expanding our capacity. Now, just a reminder about the importance of the work of the Holy Spirit in this process. It is God who works in you, not only in you individually, but among you collectively. By His indwelling Spirit, He works in them to will and to act, both the desire to act according to His purpose, His good purpose, and the power to carry it out. The wonderful teacher F.F. Bruce, and scholar, wrote about this text, we're using today, this is part of Paul's teaching about the Holy Spirit, even if the Spirit is not explicitly mentioned here. As he emphasizes elsewhere, the Spirit does what the law could not. The law could tell people what to do without supplying the power or even the will to do it. The Spirit supplies both when the Spirit takes the initiative in imparting to believers the desire and power to do the will of God, then that desire and power becomes theirs by gift. God's Holy Spirit is the way in which God participates in helping us work out our salvation. It is the Spirit who is God at work in us. I want you to notice one more thing, one final insight. Verse 12 begins by saying, Therefore, my brethren, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation. (laughs) Are you surprised that obedience is the one essential to working out our salvation? The extravagance of Paul's obedience is almost shocking. In verse 17, if we pick up where we stopped reading, he says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. My biggest problem in how I express my obedience to Christ is How I face my life as a Christian and my temptation to be unwilling to give up control, to abandon myself in faith to this process. There are times I have to confess when I can't believe that my life will be good unless I'm in control, unless I plan the plans, I dream the dreams. I don't believe I'm alone in this. I think it's part of being human. And someday we're going to do a lesson on holiness as becoming fully human. But a great deal of misery for Christians is found in this desire to be in control. Our trust in Christ must bring us to the point of abandonment, a willingness to pour out our lives like Paul, believing that we don't need to nor can we control the future. Work out your salvation. Hold on to the word of life. Come to the full usage of the life of God in you. Does God have unfinished business with me today? Working out our salvation we have seen means to live it day by day, moment by moment. To carry it to its conclusion. To thoroughly digest and apply it. I heard a wonderful pastor at a conference, Reverend David Johnson from Minneapolis, use uh, this story about a man who purchased several brand new Corvettes and then parked them in his garage and, after 25 years, had never driven them. Now, he loves Corvettes. He's read the manual. He knows that each one of them can go from zero to 60 miles an hour in 4.5 seconds, but he never has experienced it. Friends, that's the spirit of work out your salvation. You see, it's possible to just read about, sing about, hear about, even talk about the life of God in us, but not experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we aren't doing our part, if we aren't living it out, then God who has begun a good work in us can be thwarted by us from completing it. Dear friends, we've had a wonderful uh, picture painted for us in this part of Scripture in Philippians And what remains for us is to do something to play our part in the plan of God. Where are you today? Perhaps you're at a low point. Sometimes our Christian experience has low ebbs. Maybe we feel lifeless. Maybe the fruit of the Spirit seems to not be growing in us or were battered by one failure after another. Temptation is especially appealing at those points, and we may feel the joy of our salvation will never return. But remember, God did not start his work within us to abandon it. He does not do things half measure. We have the promise. He will complete what he started. Let's claim that promise and come to him again in faith in the same yieldedness as when we first gave our life to him. Yes, there's something for us to do in the plan of God. And he's waiting for us to say, I'll give you control, Lord. I'll give you the freedom to do your work in me and through me. May we experience God completing His work moment by moment, day by day, in each of our lives. Well, it's been a joy to have you join us today. This passage is a wonderful one to explore. And the truth is one that uh, can be such an encouragement to us. God at work completing what He has begun. I hope that uh, you've enjoyed the Bible study and that the Spirit has spoken to you in your own life. We'll look forward to having you join us again next month. So please plan on looking for the Holiness Podcast. And until then, may God bless you richly each day. Thanks so much for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, or prayer requests. Visit us at Salvation Army Soundcast.org/slash/holiness. And if you're enjoying this Bible study, share it with a friend. They can subscribe wherever they get their podcasts.